big part of what I find like is it's important about how systems define their characters. And we kind of touched on it in various ways, like talking about classes is um, basically what defines a specialist and what everybody can do is important to how mm. to the game and how characters are defined in it. Like what is, how do you differentiate your character from everybody at the table? And where does it consider is it the important differentiation points? Hmm. That's a good thing to think about. Yeah. Especially when you're designing, like you want to, there's a, there's a trade-off between making, making it so that everybody can participate in every possible scenario and right. then making nobody feel special at all for trying to get good at that thing. You know? Yep. I think that's really interesting. One of the core things I've found about that is a lot of the time like not all the time, but a lot of the time you can actually have um, each of the characters be fairly similar in power at doing something, but your specialists can have a lot more breadth of the nuance and specific things that they can do for um, specific things that come up in it. So like, you can have, say, a mage that can at least fight with a sword, and they'll be semi-competent with it. Like, it won't be to a point like, unfortunately, in an anima where you get to a point where if the wizard swings their sword, they're more likely to hurt themselves than the enemy. Which is a little bit silly, but you could have it so that they're relatively... Like they're not going to be quite as good as the uh, as the fighter at it, the warrior or whatever. But the warrior will have a large uh, list of options of uh, what they can do in any different combat situation. Where it's like, oh, we're surrounded. I have something for that. Oh, I need to protect someone. I have someone for something for that too. I need to deal with a single target. I need to put them down immediately. I need to um, stun them or. Uh, incapacitate them without harming them like in those different situations that's like just five off the top of my head a warrior would have something for each of those different situations whereas the wizard would be like i can hit it with my sword in wouldn't, all situations but <clears throat> wouldn't all the wizard's options just be all of that stuff but in spell form well yeah that's kind of the thing is that right the wizard's magic but is then it's not actually differentiation well it uh, is because there would be different things that he'd be doing like he may not have something for every single one of those situations he'd have other situations that he'd be able to do stuff as one of the big things about magic is it's so broad you can have spells for almost anything right that's part of the problem <clears throat> i think Oh. I think a lot of systems don't go far enough in restricting magic to, to to its own little corner so that the wizard doesn't become the Swiss army knife. You know? Yeah, the wizard. There's, there's a lot of games where they a, a wizard can, can, just by virtue of the fact that they can have something in their back pocket for every situation, becomes the star of the game or the MVP. It, it's, some games do that more than others, for sure. Uh, but it's it's good and it's hard to design yourself out of that if you don't have a framework for how 
your magic works in your game. If you don't have like a, a story behind the magic and the magic is uh, more derived from a mythological substrate than a mechanical substrate and magic can do anything in your imagination, then it becomes very hard to be in a party with a wizard and have any other specialization because the wizard can just do your thing too. Yeah. yeah, I actually did find a way to get around that. That there's two things that I use to restrict it in Sayarsa, which is the first is you have to know how to do that kind of thing. Like each spell is fairly basic and you customize the spell on the spot usually. Well, you can anyway. Um, the concept is though you have to know all of the individual little pieces to have the pieces to put together in the first place. The second part is it's a lot quicker and easier and cheaper in general to use something that you've prepared in advance that it's like, okay, I've put these parts together. I've studied it intimately. I know how to do this on a regular basis just off the top of my head. That's That limits your options, but it gives you more you can do at a time because if you have a very explicit situation where you need to do something that you don't normally do, you can build a spell on the spot for it. But it's going to take a while. It's not going to be cheap. It's not going to be easy to do. You're going to be sitting there and doing like a third of what you normally could do kind of thing. But it's like eventually the wizard will be able to do almost anything if they get high enough level they can eventually have a tool for any situation if they sit there and work on it for like you know five minutes right whereas warrior can just reach over and smack the guy in the back of the head in two seconds you may not want to wait five minutes for the wizard to you know put the target to sleep generally you don't generally that's not a choice yeah so by doing it that way yeah you can give the wizard versatility but it comes at a cost like it's not something you can do at the drop of the hat you have it if you have time to worry about it you just may not have time to worry about it um yeah so i don't hmm <laughs> for for ashes i don't know that because i built ashes to to tr to i mean around like trying to get around that like the assumption of generalizers and specializers um because you have more than one character at a time and so <clears throat> the i mean the the impetus behind that is so that everybody could have a a person in their troop that could contribute in every in well maybe not every situation but just about every situation like most situations so you can have you know you you're playing a character character being your troop that is that is the face man and the the stealthy guy and the lore person and the strong dude um they're just not in the same person but you have the opportunity to do all that stuff i just so I, 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 I worried early on 
that I was making character ability too flat among between the players so that it wouldn't matter who showed up or who did stuff. Um, but that didn't seem to be the case, which is I'm something I'm very glad about because the, 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 the way I constructed the fiction around those mechanics was such that it makes sense to be able to participate in the situation. You're not participating with the same person. It's still the same player participating, but the, the fiction of who they're inhabiting in the game shifts. And I was worried early on that that might not be an acceptable level of <clears throat> what uh, gradation. Uh, but it turns out that people, as, if they're playing, they actually don't care. It seems <laughs> it's just like, oh, hey, I can do a thing. Cool. Oh, hey, you can do a thing. That's cool. All right. So the the fiction by itself is enough to drive it. Like you don't need the um, like while. I don't know Tom is the best at like his main dude is the stealth guy, so we should still mm -hmm. send Tom's main dude in. You can still just be like, oh well, I'm here and I will just take my I don't know uh, newest recruit and send him in, and he's now the stealth like yeah. So the, the fiction is enough to to um, drive the plot forward, and it doesn't matter mechanically what would make the most sense. Uh, it's, it's that I don't have big variations in the mechanics in the first place. Okay. Such that the, the guy at, at, at character creation, the guy who's good at stealth in each of your parties is probably going to be equally good at stealth in each of your parties. They may okay. have a little bit of difference. They may have a little bit of difference, but it, it's not going to be very pronounced such that if a situation arises where somebody needs, there's a goal that needs to be achieved through stealth, either character can have an okay. on par chance of doing it like pretty close um like between the difference between 0.7 and 0.8 out of one okay yeah. uh so yeah it, and that, that fiction worked for the players or has worked for the players so far they they don't seem to mind the fact like it doesn't feel like anybody's stepping on anybody's toes so far cool um and that was a worry early on because i i really thought like i may have to just scrap that whole idea and you know make it so that players could really focus heavily on one thing. And then, and then, then I was started worrying about like niche protection and all the other things that you sort of have to worry about when you, right. when you allow for hyper specialization, um, because you don't want one character to invest, um, their advancement currency, whatever it is in, getting better at a thing. And then somebody comes along who hasn't invested anything in it and is almost as good. You know, right. uh, that does that really feels shitty as a character, yep. as a player. Um, and so you really do want to make. Uh, if you can avoid that situation um, and it's probably better. And the way I avoided it was just by if you specialize in it, you're going to get better. But you're not because the, the other thing is, is like it's not it's not necessarily a dice roll. The, the exertion mechanics are such that the guy, like one exertion is as good as one exertion on anybody. Like it just, do you want to succeed at this thing? Okay, check it off. And whoever did it, that's fine. It's like you just narrate that guy doing it. Mm -hmm. um, it's not like there's a, it only becomes at the higher level where, where you want to do something really risky. Does, does the, the gap in skill come into play? at all right um but that feels like that 
feels more narratively justified. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're doing mm-hmm. something really risky, you go like, oh, okay, let's send the best guy. Yep. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It um the the topic hits close to um home for my game because mm-hmm. the entire premise is that everyone can do anything from the beginning right. of the game. Right. And that just based on your choices, you become more and more specialized. But innately there's nothing that says that you do any action better. Um, and the progression that I've set up is that you are more likely to succeed in the tasks that you have previously mm-hmm. done. Um, right. And I find that that's usually enough to keep people motivated to stick with a, a theme for their character that they find that they enjoy. Um, but I've not restricted anything from you can pick up a weapon you've never grabbed before and try it, but you might not be as good as if you had something closer to what you had used before. Right. Um, that's reasonable. Yeah. But what about for games like where they, where those things don't even come to the fore? I mean, yeah, there are a few games where they don't even have any difference between the characters mechanically. Right. It's all, it's all, it's all in the narrative. Like, uh, like, mm-hmm. uh, Fred, why don't you talk about the wander a little bit? I mean, the, the characters there are very, they they don't have degrees of specialization between each other, really. Not really, no. I mean, the within the I've been calling them archetypes, but they're basically playbooks. If you're familiar with Pirate of the Apocalypse, um, within those they'll have certain specializations, but those are pretty basic stuff. Yeah, and it's not like it it it, it well, but it it functions in a very different space where it's not like you have the the rogue, the wizard, and the tank or whatever for your fighting it it exists in a different space where those those specified roles aren't as strictly important mm-hmm. um so it doesn't offer those levels of specialization and set assumes that you're all kind of about the same skill level because you're pretty much just normal dudes but maybe you're a bit better than everybody else at spinning a fake story or mm-hmm. you know catching a ride or something right right and uh, I kind of wish Jonathan was here because his game has like hyper specialization in that the only two characters in it are the hunter and the prey. And <clears throat> it's like you can't get more different or yes. more Maybe specialized. It's like that's like the extreme. The other one could do. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of wish he was here to talk about because I think he had some, he's had something interesting to say. Uh, but. <laughs> In his stead, I could say that, like, if you if your game is such that, um, it's the kind of game where the story demands hyper specialization, and you control for it well. I think it can be very, very rewarding um, because it allow. I mean, there's there's a there's a really interesting there's a great sense of fun to be had at the table when your character can do something no other character can do. Um, but it's hard to it's hard to give six people that thing at the same time, you know, or five people that thing at the same time. It 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 becomes super tricky. Hmm. Well, but I I I think that there's always going to be, even if we're not talking mechanically, I think people are always going to introduce, you know, here's the the personality my character has, and here's the ways in which they interact with you different than others, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, gives them a different type of specialization, you know, a way in which they fit into the narrative specialization rather than a 
how they solve problems specialization. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Okay. Yeah, that's a different kind of specialization. Yeah, that's interesting too, because <clears throat> you can have you can have characters that are very mechanically close together, uh, but that their role in the narrative is such that the narrative might even pull them in two different directions. They're so specialized. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Even if you have people that can do basically the same thing, how will they go about doing the same thing can actually be very important as well, which you learn very quickly if you look at like design for like an MMORPG. Like, basic concept, I can heal someone. It's like, okay, there's a lot of variations on how you can heal someone, though. Mm -hmm. Like, you can do straight up just burst healing. You can do lots of little heals over time, like, say, um, just... Uh, so, you put a heal on somebody, and every turn, they regenerate a bit of health. Um, you can put a shield up so that it prevents damage from happening in the first place. You can cure them of uh, status effects. You can negate the damage they take somehow, like just damage reduction, maybe. Uh, like one of the um, ones in my game is they take some of the damage instead of their ally, and then they're mostly focused on self-healing. Uh, you can do stuff like um, even just preventing the damage period by like, oh, and if you're standing in the fire, you're going to die. Oh, I just moved you so you're not standing in the fire anymore. Like, because they all are doing the same thing of keeping someone alive, but that's like, what, half dozen different ways to do it? It does... Just that little nuance of how you perform the same task actually stands out very considerably in how the players consider that to be their niche. Hmm. Potentially, though, I, I, I think there's much more impact to having a, a, you know, a specific role or void that one can fill rather than... Oh, yeah. right. Just that. Like there is on a broader scale. Like, yeah, it's obviously better if you have somebody who does something completely different that nobody else can. But mm -hmm. if you give them little things that let them do the same task differently than someone else, Uniquely, they will yeah. they will value it still. Yeah, and 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 you can and you can map it to different kinds of fictions as well. Which is which is useful. Like if if one of those methods will map more closely to the fiction you that the character represents, then that's probably better uh, rather than rather than having a one size fits all or one mechanic fits all narrative type thing. Exactly. Yeah. If you can always tie it back to those those aspects that define your character, whether it's right. the narrative or the personality or anything like that, that explains why that character is doing it or how they do it uniquely. Uh, even if it's technically the same action, I think that that makes it rewarding still. So, oh yeah, definitely. Like you can almost uh, hide a lot of uh, differentiation just through the narrative alone. Like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's like it, it's okay to be like you know a knight and everything. People like knights, but if you could be a pirate who does the exact same damage per turn. Nobody cares because you get to be a freaking pirate. I'd rather be a knight, personally. Okay. 
<laughs> I just want to. I just want to take a nice big shit on your example. That's all. I, I, I don't know. I mean, you you don't want to be a pirate? No, I never. Oh God, we can't be friends anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm, all, I'm always on the ninja side of that debate. <laughs> okay, I un- I understand. You can be wrong, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, everybody that's the only role that I disagree on. Because everybody knows the true answer is the half pirate, half ninja crossbreed. That's gross. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, no, sorry. I'm, th- I'm trying to remember a certain historical figure that actually that is actually relevant to what you just said. Oh, oh you're talking about the um, the uh, Chinese pirate lady. Uh, had, she's uh, different. She's a she's a crossbreed between a pirate and a cor- and a corporate manager. But that's, yeah, that's true. <laughs> as someone who as someone who had a, a like boss character who was heavily based on them, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, man, she was a cool lady. Jesus, that was crazy shit yep. she did. <laughs> I always I always really enjoy historical characters that are just. They're it's, it, they they're way crazier than anything somebody has written. That's so interesting. Oh, yeah, it's like this... if you if you wrote the story of that of that particular person whose name escapes me, out in a role playing game, people would call you out for calling it unrealistic. It's like, yeah, exactly. That's mm-hmm. like there is actually a phrase for that. It says that I can't remember. It only name. makes sense that truth should be stranger than fiction. Truth After all, fiction has to stick to possibilities. Right, Ching 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 something Ching Shi, I think that was her name. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, that is actually. I'm pretty sure that's right. But it's a bitch of a name to pronounce. Like. Yeah. Something like that. Um, yeah, yeah. She started out as a started out as a prostitute and then became like some crazy pirate queen. It's pretty. Yeah, cool. just like me. Well, <laughs> she, apparently well she married into piracy and, and just took over when her husband died and started imposing her own rules that made it hey, a whole thing family business again now. same <laughs> fred fred is the resident hooker pirate queen here clearly. yes <laughs> obviously <laughs> Anyway, I think anyway. it's slightly off topic, but I don't uh, feel like this was a bad topic. <laughs> Steering us back on topic harshly. Yeah, good job. Uh, hard to port, I guess. Hard, hard to port. Hard uh, to starboard. More of a hard to stern kind of guy. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently some people in here are hard after hearing about the Pirate Queen. I'm, I mean, sure. She's not here. Yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah, why not? Sure. Um, <laughs> so, one of the questions uh, that we were at, we were asked to, or we're going to ask, is how much or what kind of character does uh, a game need? So, for example, we have like Rob's game, which needs many characters, much characters. Um, yes, you have at least like at least like three of the fuckers, right? You you at the. Start of the game, you're asked to choose one additional person. Okay, so you have um, two. You have two, and then it will cap out at four, generally speaking. I don't... Mainly because that's a space issue at that point. Uh, there's, no, there's nothing in the game mechanically that breaks if you add more characters. 
Um, but I've sort of justified that narratively by saying like the war mage can only really control the fate of three other people. Um, so, you know, yeah. that's but how it goes. What the, what the question probably more means is like, how how in depth should a character be for yeah. game X? How much do you need to write down in advance? Well, and how much needs to be defined over time? Mm-hmm. Well, I I would argue that really depends per system. Like L five R. This also loaded into yeah. what he said, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, but well, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Talk go about L five R. Yeah. Well, I mean, the L five R for me, it's one of those that's. I've kind of come to the conclusion that you should be accepting a novel's worth of detail, something that's perfect with Catrice. Um, with the what? characters. I saw your background you showed me for for the Cobalt. You would fit perfectly in L5R, but it's basically, it's like, for me, I don't mind at least. I think the healthy, if you, if you go generically across all things, a page at most is probably the healthy because it gives you a nice detail outline that you can give to people. But I mean like L5R you're looking at something that is minimum they say you you have 20 questions you should answer. They suggest adding another like 40 to 50 to it. Yeah, I hate and, that shit. <laughs> it, well, I mean like for for L5R it's very much a social game so the more detail Mm-mm. it no. Well, again, like for, I'm the DM that has to read this, and unlike most DMs that will just say, "Oh yeah, I read it," like I actually do read it. So it's like for me, it's like twenty questions is kind of my extent that should be answered. <laughs> right here, I mean here. Here's why I said Mm-mm, in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody knows who their character is before they start playing them. Like in my experience, it, it, it I can be handed that thing mm-hmm. and then that player will not behave in a manner consistent with that like at all. It is you it is it. a waste of time for me to read it. They wasted their time writing it. It like the 20 questions thing maybe that's a little more focused, but mm-hmm. generally like if 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 the times I have encountered a full page of backstory for a character, mm-hmm. I read it and it wasn't relevant once. Yeah, I, I even put story hooks in mm-hmm. for that character and they didn't remember. See, what like, I usually find is the case it's too cumbersome. The, the backstory should provide primarily things to have the player start and thinking okay. about their character. It's not necessarily accurate in game but it should be to give them enough of a baseline reference point to start from that they can work with it now whether they stick to it or not that doesn't really matter and they're probably not going to i mean the character is going to change over time anyway but having like a list of basic questions to answer like i think the best ones i saw were actually from babylon 5 which was who are you? What do you want? Why are you here? Where are you going? And it was just four yeah, questions. That's fine. That was a lot to work with when you start thinking yeah. about it. Yep. Yeah. The the, pro- the problem is with the with with a long list of questions like that. You're either there, well, there's just remember, it's, right? it, it, well, there's they're not going to remember it. But like, here's the thing: like, you're not you're not putting it down on your main user interface. You're not putting it down on the character sheet. Generally speaking, um, 
And so that stuff is going to get lost like nearly immediately. And it gets back to what we were saying about like stuff on the character sheet, mechanically defining or reinforcing um, the character. And there's, there's only so much a player can keep in their head and then cut that by like, that has to be a fifth as large for the GM because the GM has to keep that in their head for five other people. You know, mm-hmm. or four. Mm-hmm. Let's say, let's say, it's a smaller thing. Let's say four. Yep. Um, but giving them that much information, like, virtually ensures that it's just it's just wasted time. And you could do better with like three or four bullet points. I think the Babylon Five thing is great. Like fate. I mean, fates noticed this over its iterations. Like Spirit of the Century started with ten aspects, and Dresden got it down to seven, and now in Fate Core, it's down to five. Like they they've they've noticed that. 25 aspects is a lot to keep track of like even in the modern the most recent version of fate like 25 aspects is a bunch uh and to to ask the gm to be cognizant not even remember but just kind of keep it in the back of their head like a hundred answers that players handed you is uh too much too much it's 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 just it's just crazy as a designer to ask ask a person to do that like mm-hmm. people can remember things in threes fours fives maybe but yeah generally for it's tough man it's real i mean you're asking a lot and, and and you're asking i think it's just doomed for failure and i think there's no oh, maybe there's not no point but there's it's, there's more to it there's it's, one it's, thing you pointed out three to five things at a time that's actually fairly true um but it's also not entirely true like if you give somebody a choice only hand them three to five options never any more than that because they'll they won't be able to make like a sane choice with it but if you break down a complex choice into several smaller choices they can handle a little bit at a time now that's also kind of true in building up your character like if you just hand them like here's 20 or 100 questions like they're not going to give any thought to each individual question because they have so many to go through they're going to rush through them as first thing that comes off top of their head that's a good point if you only have like three to five total questions but you phrase the questions in such a way that they're open-ended so that they actually have to think about it for a while it's like even like the questions that they were mentioned there, like, who are you? And it's like, that's a really big question. Mm-hmm. You're going to yeah, have fate, to think on that for a while. Yeah, that's the first thing fate asks you, like define your character in one phrase. Like, the, what's your what's your high, high aspect? What's your what's your big aspect? You know, yep. it's that's a good way of doing it. Yeah, an open ended question, a, a couple of them. I think works well. I think I think going over that, it, you start running into problems because the if you have players that are willing to commit, it's rare that you have four or five players willing to commit to, to that level of detail. Um, so, so there's going to be an effort differential right off the bat, and as a GM, you're going to tend to focus on the players that gave you more, and there's that's you're going to create like this weird spotlight disparate scenario where you can focus on this other character because you've got a wealth of backstory for them but this person who sort of like went like eh, i'm not doing 20 questions come on 
um, is not going to enjoy the game as much. And the, I don't know. I, it seems to me it, it, in places where I've seen that happen, it just raises a lot of problems that could be avoided by paring down the list to something that that's more manageable and, and, and uh, easier to get through in a session, session zero. Okay, so... This Sorry is, to step this, on your entire point there, Mike. Oh, no, 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 no. Well, here's what I've also noticed, even if you pare it down to Please five... Please me, yeah. Well, here's the thing. What I've noticed, even with uh, pairing it down to five questions, there's always that person that will always put the extra time into it. And the reason why I was using um, L5R for the 20 questions is most of them build upon each other. Um, mm -hmm. And most of it is, uh, with L5R, if you're actually playing in the world, there's a lot of these questions are basic questions like what clan are you from do you follow their traditions do you go against them are you good standing with your family it's like many of these questions are more small building blocks they they lead you in, in a direction and mm -hmm. those those 20 questions it's like the, not all 20 questions are necessary but when you go through all 20 questions i mean like some of it is basic as essentially what class are you do you follow the traditions of your class essentially fighter mage or um bard I'll right say. It's right. like it's like it's it's kind of essentially what you would have, I would argue, most of the time in a general um, session zero with people. That's the reason why, I like that twenty questions, it seems daunting because again, there was no context for every little piece to it. But when you look, crack open the book, it's like those little twenty questions are essentially, if you really par them down into like categories, you're looking at maybe four or five categories. Which oh, again, nice. I mean. That's you reasonable. I think I remember doing this actually when I was playing yeah. L5R, and it wasn't like I got through. I think the first half like mm -hmm. pretty quick because you just go like, "Oh, okay, I'm doing this, mm -hmm. this, 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 this," yeah. and then like the last half is sort of like more about like you who they are. It. Yeah, you like, think upon you, it for a little bit more. Well, it's more like who they are rather than what they can do. Like the first mm -hmm. half is like what they do, and then mm -hmm. the second half is who they are. I th I still think it's too many, and I think there's there's value in paring it down to like, mm -hmm. but it's like, it's like, can you fit answers to all 20 questions on the character sheet? If yes, okay, then I, I, I think that's probably a, a way to do it. That's, that's at uh, least for my I, case, I found it. Yes. A via, then, then it can be a viable path. I'm saying in general, if, if, because you were, you brought the thing of like add, add 40 to 50 more and I'm like, you know, go fuck yourself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, I, yeah. you know what I mean though like I, yeah. I feel like well, there's if you can get the stuff on the character sheet and mm -hmm. the game is going to use these answers mm -hmm. okay that's a different that's a different proposition to me yeah well that, that's the thing is those questions are usually for both the player and the DM to be mixed together it, again it's essentially what I, I do with any of my sessions of talking with people I, I do a, a kind of a, a permutation of it uh, it doesn't matter if there's no one who's essentially a, a mage, priest, weird, creepy Japanese thing. So that that, that question gets thrown I think out. It's Shugenja, it's like, right? In the yeah, Shugenja. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, again, it's like, I again, most of those questions fall into that category. The extra questions are essentially extra fluff. That, that's if you want to go above and beyond. Like, to me, yeah, it's like, see, yeah. Yeah, that's the, th that's the thing that gets me. Like, either either make the fluff important or cut it. That's that's how I feel about it. Like either either like bring it to the fore, like design your game to be about these things, or don't waste the player's time. Well, the thing is, by the simple fact of it being a game, people are going to immediately change it. So it's like they're trying to make it best for both worlds. And if you if yeah, again, you're trying to open it up, 
that's just lazy design. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That's like that's not knowing what you want to do and trying to appease people. It just doesn't work. I don't know. I mean, that's not something that uh, I've. That's not like some dictate that I'm telling people. I'm like that's that's what's happened to me. <laughs> like when I try and please both camps, like everybody goes like, "Oh, sucks," and then when you you go like, "Oh, I'm gonna I, okay, never mind. I'm gonna take it this way because that's what I like." And people mm-hmm. go, oh, I kind of like that. Or people go, oh, that sucks, but at least you got you pleasing half of them now. Shit. There, there is a good point to that, though. It's that anything that is like a truly good mechanic generally is something that evokes strong emotion, regardless of whether they love it or hate it. Like, if you get mechanics that are like, some people are going to love this, some people are going to hate it. That's usually a good thing because it usually means that you have something that appeals to a particular audience. If all of your mechanics end up appealing to the same audience, you have basically a dedicated player base because they will like your game because it does exactly what they want. If you're going to have a game that's dedicated to a much larger player base, you can only really do those love-it-or-hate-it things for individual subgroups within it. So, for example, um, the core mechanics of a game, like Mm -hmm. for how you resolve combat, that should be bland as fuck. Because nobody can... Okay. Tell <laughs> me. Okay, so before we get too far off this, I just wanted to bring up um, I'm not sure if this is in their other games because I've only played the tape, but in Urban Shadows and in Masks, um, they both have each class has its own unique five questions that are focused on getting the character set up. Like, they aren't re- unreasonable questions, and the main point of answering these questions seems to be okay, do you have a d- help to help you make sure that you have a defined starting point for your character and help you think about the type of things that are important to that type of character. I just want, felt I should mention that before we moved on too far because I really liked it. Sorry. <laughs> no, man, that's, that's, that's reasonable. Uh, and it's, it, no, it's, it's good to highlight different ways that games actually do these things and make them work. If you want me to get more into it, I will, but I don't think that's the I story. thought we only had Blaze of the Dark example. Yeah. Okay, let me look at the Blades in the Dark example, because I'm sure it has an equivalent. Um, Yeah, it does. It does. It does. It asks you to define the island you came from, and um, I think social class, too. It it asks you to say what job you used to have and where you're from, and like what Um, what you your family did. Right. And then you also get to pick some starting, like some like uh, some things about your character, like some BDIs or, and some, some existing relationships too, and some other stuff. Yeah. Yep. I think you're right, but all that stuff goes on the character sheet. I think that those questions are on the character sheet and you just yes, circle um, the Actually, so, oh, I should point out that so are the ones in the games I mentioned. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, Power by the Apocalypse just does that. Yeah, it just makes the play sheets like here's here's your choices. Go. Yes, and I think that's is... a very good way to do character sheets. So, I'd like your opinion on that later. But that's now isn't the time for that. <laughs> <laughs> it is always the time for that. 
No cat. No. No bad. <laughs> and also, um, there are actually they are on the character sheet. I'm not sure if these ones are anyway. Um, like Blades in the Dark has like three questions for each class that are like have are your setup basically. Like Whisper has, why did you pursue the path of the Whisper? How did you develop your voice? Are you an asshole, or did you study and practice on your own, or did you have a mentor? Right. Yeah, and those are great. I think those are those are like that's an excellent set of questions for the player to consider, and then. It's, but it's not too much, and then they can build off of those in the game, and they're always right in front of them. Basically, um, the reason why we want to do Old Blades example is it's one of the games that I've read that is the most cognizant of game design I have, like, literally ever read. Yeah. Well, Blades in the Dark is weird because it was, like, almost designed in public. Yes. You know? Like when he's, yeah, when he's finished the Kickstarter and started posting betas on the Google plus thing. Like people were like, eh, this is not working. And he's like, okay, uh, I'm going to go fix it. And then he'd come back and then do another one. And then it was like, whoa, this is weird. Like we're changing huge parts of the game, like in front of this guy's face. That's and what you're supposed to do in beta testing. <laughs> I know. It's just, it never happens. It's like, I do. I mean, because here's the thing, right? So the Pathfinder two game just came out. I'm sorry. I'm deviating from Blades of the Dark, but it's to make a point. The Pathfinder 2 game came out. No points. And I cannot envision this thing being different at the end of the playtest. Like, it feels mm. done. Like, way done. Like, in the bag. Like, it's full layout. Like, it, they may do some, like, small numerical tweaks, but I cannot imagine, like, actual systems changing at this point. Like, it's, it, there'd be no way to do it. It's too big. Always um, have to be open to once you release it into the open that there's going to be problems. Like there's going to be something that you sure. could not have predicted. Something major is going to need to be completely removed or overhauled. Yeah, I'm not saying that's not the case. What I'm saying is, is like it's like Pathfinder's not going to do that. They like somebody could find like a major flaw in the system. I would be very surprised if they actually deviated from it. I think the L5R is the same thing. Like the beta, as far as I could tell, was very like oh, pretty God, similar. Don't get me started. Don't get me started. <laughs> pretty similar to the release. They changed something, yeah. but like they're like nothing huge shifted. They were refusing to change anything. Basically, it's just BR uh, PR campaign. Ah, okay. That's um, not the purpose of it. Yeah, well, yeah. It, 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 it's kind of like what they've done with video games. It's like, oh, here's a beta. No, it's not a beta. It's that you're making it a demo. Right, right. Uh, I mean, fi- I mean, fifth edition actually, to to Watsi's credit, they actually did listen to a lot of the feedback on on the betas, and they cut a lot of the um, really good systems that they came up with when players didn't like them. I don't know why, but it's fine. It's fine. There, there's a downside to designing in the, yeah. in the public too. Well. Part of what you have to understand is that your players are not always correct. No, they're not. Sometimes well, they want things that are yeah, not yeah. actually a good idea. We, yeah, I believe yeah. this is Rob's old standby phrase, but uh, and it's like he's something he got from somewhere. Uh, players can tell when something is wrong, but their suggestions for how to fix it are very rarely correct. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Neil Gaiman. I want to credit him specifically yep. because he's like, when somebody reads your thing and they don't like it, they're probably right. But if they tell you how to fix it, they're probably wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something very, very, very valuable to keep in your head 
when yeah, like doing any kind of design idea. because people can people can pick out when something doesn't feel quite right. They're good at that. They just don't know why. No, it, it requires don't have the special to training to understand it. how. Yeah, it, yeah, to it does. It. It's 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 reading a lot of books. They don't know what's been done before. They don't have access to that stuff, but they can tell you it's wrong and you should listen to them. It's very, very important. Like if somebody says like something, this is really not good. Um, particularly if you know them, that's even more helpful. But um, even if you don't, like don't don't dismiss criticism out of hand because it comes from somebody you don't know or you think they don't get it. They they're probably caught like figuring out something that you're missing. Probably not always, but probably it it can sometimes just be as little as the phrasing or personal preference too, though. Sometimes yes. you will have somebody who, honestly, the game is not for them. It's like, I'm, I know that sounds awful to say, but no. it's like, Does this is a good. horror game. You hate horror games. Well, I'm not going to change it so it's not a horror game anymore. Right. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, there's like, <laughs> like Ashes is an intersection of RPG and war game. Like, if you're not into... The war game aspect, like the part of the system is just not going to be fun for you because it's it's about, you know, tactically manipulating a battlefield and, and, and positioning and movement. If that stuff has holds no appeal for you, then it's definitely, I would not recommend playing it. I mean, you can play without that stuff for sure. You could use the framework and the battle stuff. And it all works without the positioning, but it's, I think it's much more fun with it, which is why. We'll lose a large part of what makes the game what it is. Yeah, it would. It would. I mean... But I'm, I'm cognizant of that, and I'm okay with people not liking it because for reasons that, for 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 structural reasons, I'm okay with people not liking it for structural reasons. Um, for reasons of like this doesn't feel right or doesn't make sense, then it's like okay, well that's 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 a better reason to not like it and a more useful one. Yeah. Even so, you still need to make sure that it's actually an issue with what's being done is it like an issue with it not being explained clearly enough uh -huh. or is it an issue with them skimming over the page and not actually reading it well that if, if you skim will be a problem it, it can be but if if they can take away the wrong impression you it, it behooves you to find out why they did that and oh yeah definitely correct it for sure like make sure you understand We're, we are way off character topics here <laughs> <laughs> it totally fits with characters as well. Yeah, we're, you are totally off, is the thing. Well, yeah. kind of. We are kind of off. We're more talking general RPG design than the same yeah. things we've already said, but yeah. this is still somewhat relevant. But yes. Uh, okay, like, let's talk about like something that's really important that we haven't touched on enough. Sure. Uh, basically, uh, what you put on your character sheet and what you just choose to define is very will a set the tone and be part of what is you're going to define is related to the genre. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think we all, I don't, I don't, I don't think that, I don't think any of us would dispute that. Yeah, no, that's the thing we do dispute. Yeah. So um, basically <laughs> what you need to, what you need to figure out is how is, is your, is what you're defining suited? How do you like, is what you're defining suiting your tone? Are you expressing your tone properly? Or are you including things because you think you need to? That's that's a good thing to point out because some people do include things before the, because they think they need to. Um, yep. 
hit hit points are one that I see a lot. Uh, there's a lot of ways to take a character from functional to not functional without hit points. Plenty of ways to do it. I mean, oh. you could you could still make the case that like yes, they're all still hit points. Uh, you're just calling them something different, but I think the fiction of that thing matters a lot. Um, yeah, can matter a lot. Maybe it doesn't always, but it can. Yeah, um, it definitely it can a lot. Like and, the difference between like even just calling it hit points or wounds, even if they were yes. functionally identical, that makes a big difference because mm -hmm. hit points don't necessarily imply that you are actually crippled or wounded. Right. Like you can be low on hit points, but you're okay. You haven't really suffered any real wounds. Or even even just taking the same concept, but saying that it's sanity damage instead. Sure. That changes your perception of what is happening, and that shifts it from a physical conflict to a horror. And like you can you can play with what your character or your game experience is supposed to feel like just based on the definition or the the terminology that you use. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think I think Fate is a game that does that in a really interesting way because they have they tend to have multiple damage tracks mm -hmm. that you can be taken out with. So you can be taken out with physical damage or mental damage or social damage even. Um I think some games have other ones too. Uh but those are the general the general three and so different things can attack those things. It gives it gives there's it, it implicitly sets up more options for um for the sort of specialization slash generalization we were talking about earlier because now you have multiple ways that a target can be weak and therefore multiple ways that a character can be strong. And that mm -hmm. that that shifts that shifts your design um into a space where you're giving you're not building more options into the game, but you're giving players more effective options with the skill set they have. And I think that can be a useful thing to keep in your back pocket. Uh, I would hazard caution in towards things like adding too many different damage tracks. Like one of the biggest things that I've noticed is when you have like three or four different types of hit points, whatever you want to call them, you basically wind up with a situation where no matter what you do, your character is going to be have something to exploit, usually several something, so that every character is basically a glass cannon at all times, because there's always going to be something that can uh, hit them in their weak point. Not necessarily. I mean, the way fate controls for that is by making those things narratively justified. So doing dam doing social damage in the middle of a physical conflict is generally off limits because the social damage is fiction the the fiction of the social damage is is more or less like humiliation or being out argued or something like that. And once a fight breaks out, that that damage track is more or less off limits. You do have a point with the with the mental one because the mental one usually takes it's like a placeholder for being knocked out without being hurt by yeah. magic or something like that. Uh, or it's my, I think I was looking at a thing earlier today again about like psionics 
And that's like one of the biggest problems with psionics in most systems when they try to add it is it usually has its own separate set of yeah. offense and defense and uh, hit points tracked on it. And it's like, if you're not a psionicist, then you're completely defenseless. And it's like, how does that end up being fun? Because everybody becomes completely useless against this person. Well, I think we can make a generalized, a more generalized point. But yes, you, I think you're right. Uh, you know, adding adding subsystems. Well, that's that's something we could talk about with character definition. Like, you know, like how? What about subsystems? What about things that are tacked on later? I mean, I don't think that's any anything any of us are trying to do. I think all of us are trying to create a complete package within the same within within their core experience and i don't envision personally any any sort of additional subsystems or anything like that being tacked onto ashes later i mean i'm, I'm including everything i want to include because i don't have a page count limit or a deadline so <laughs> i can just put in whatever i want and refine it as many times as i need to but I can understand like systems being cut from games and then being added later for space reasons or time reasons or stuff like that. But that, that, that raises a point. Like should your character creation system account for that? Uh, at what point should it account for that? Because I think your point to like, to, like the D and D psionics is, I think what you were referring to more than anything mm -hmm. else. Like the AD and D wrist psionics. Like, oh, wrist, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Let me, fair enough. Let me, she, she's right about it being a whole list of things, basically. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, it's uh, specifically the one I was watching was like one of the Counter Monkey episodes, specifically. And he was talking mostly about first edition D&D's version. Yeah. Which was hideous, but at the same time while I was listening to that, it's like... But it was integrated, weirdly The enough. psionics in Anima are actually really good because of how well it was integrated. And it goes back to basically what I was saying earlier, or what I was going to say earlier was your generalized um, systems that everybody has to interact with should be generally fairly simple and consistent across all characters. So like if you have hit points, hit points should basically work the same way for everybody. Doesn't matter what class they are. Maybe you can have like a class that uses hit points as like a consumable resource where they spend hit points to cast spells and then they can heal themselves or something like that. But generally speaking, their hit points should still go up and down in the same way as anybody else. If you have an individual um, character that does something unique, then they can have a completely different subsystem that nobody else has to deal with because they don't have to interact with it. So if you have a summoning character, you can have uh, different mechanics for how you handle multiple summons at a time. Because if you're not a summoner, you don't care. It doesn't bother you. It doesn't affect your character in any way. Mm. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. I, I, I've, I have two conflicting opinions, but... Well, what are they? <laughs> well, so it's like, so I, I'm generally against defining characters by subsystems. Um, 
because I don't like telling a player, okay, you sat down. What character class looks cool to you? Oh, that one looks cool. Uh, you're just starting out. I don't think you should do that because there's these extra two things you have to learn because, and you're just starting to learn the game. Like it, it's that kind of thing. Like it doesn't yeah. bother me if like everybody around the table is basically playing at the same level of experience. But if you have somebody who's never played an RPG before and the thing that looks coolest to them is the thing that's the most complex, uh, it feels bad to tell them no, but it will be almost as bad to let them languish in the complexity that they've that they've taken on without knowing it. Um, yeah, that's why for anything like so, there's I'm, two like, things for mine is that, that every one of the press stage classes has their own subsystem. But <laughs> yeah, it's I know I did something stupid Oof. there to my <laughs> yeah, like, this is more this is more of a pain in the ass for me than the players because no. the subsystems are the subsystems are fairly yeah. simple. Like they're meant to be very easy to manage and simple to understand. But the other thing is these only show up halfway through the game you have time to worry about it later. They only show up after you've already got a pretty good idea of like the class you're playing. Like until you're like level 10 out of 20 in a given class, you cannot take like your prestige class in it. So until you have a pretty solid understanding of what you're working with, you don't have to worry with something more complex. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's a gradual increase and it doesn't Mm -hmm. really affect anybody other than yourself. So you might gain like a specific resource system that's only useful for that particular prestige Mm -hmm. class. Okay. But it's relatively simple to use. Like a example off the top of my head is the rune mistress. Like basically they get like a huge ass, like a tower shield and they inscribe runes on it. And as they block things with it, as they, use their class abilities, the runes get activated and then they can basically cast a spell by using them. So Alright. And now I'm going to use my runic <laughs> shield to stop you from casting all of your words. <laughs> Sorry. And uh I'm gonna say goodnight to the listeners. Say goodnight <laughs> to all of you. Thanks I Michael. Like we could we could yeah thanks Mike. Appreciate guests. it man. Uh, Good so night. Good night. Good Thanks night, for casting the... silence. <laughs> <laughs>